Domina by Barbara Wood Read by Marion Castle Chapter 8 Mr Hawksbill held up a majolica jar and turned it slowly in the light. This is Smilax officinalis, Samantha, a prized possession. She studied the small thorny vines with long slender roots. Where's it come from? Many places. The grey from Mexico, the brown from Honduras and this. He patted the jar lovingly. The most difficult to come by is from the western slopes of the Andes. What is it? What is it? Why, Liebchen, it is a centuries-old remedy for easing the pangs of childbirth. It also cures a chest pain called angina pictoris, and the savages of North America believe it cures impotence. Samantha tried to pronounce the difficult Latin. Mr Hawksbill said, the Spaniards have an easier name for it, Liebchen. They call it Sarsaparilla. The tranquillity of the June morning was shattered by a sudden commotion in the street. Stepping down from his high stall and parting the curtain from the window, Mr Hawksbill looked out upon a chaotic scene. A runaway dray had thundered down the narrow street, knocking over vegetable carts and scattering people in its path, with a frenzied crowd running behind, shouting... Two bold navvies leapt out, managed to seize the reins and wrestled with the frightened mare until she was brought to a whinnying rest directly in front of Hawksbill's house. Curious, Samantha joined him and peered out. She saw a small knot of people gather at the edge of the mob. What is it, Mr Hawksbill? It looks as though someone is hurt. She turned her face up to him. Should we help? He let the curtain drop. No concern of ours. But you have all these wonderful medicines. Gave that up years ago. Samantha looked out again and saw, from down the road, two men running, carrying a door horizontally between them. She spun around, dashed down the hall and out the back door, for the front door was permanently locked, down the alley, around the corner, and came to a breathless halt at the edge of the crowd. The driver of the dray, wringing his hands, was saying, The lad tried to stop the horse by himself. I couldn't avoid him. The crowd parted to allow the men with the door to pass, and when Samantha saw who it was that lay groaning in the gutter, she cried, Freddy! and ran to him, falling to her knees. He rolled his head to one side, but did not open his eyes. Out of the way, miss. Got to get him on this here board. The two men roughly seized the boy by the legs and armpits and dropped him onto the door. Samantha stared spellbound at Freddy's right leg. A compound fracture of both bones had thrust the jagged ends up through the flesh. They glistened with blood and mud in the noon sun. A shadow fell over her and the crowd drew away. Samantha looked up to see Isaiah Hawksbill standing beside her. Where had they taken him, Mr Hawksbill? He narrowed his eyes at Freddy's mangled leg. To hospital. Pictures flashed in her mind. 
memories of North London Hospital two years before. They can't! She whipped around and flung herself across his body. Here now, said Hawksbill, reaching down for her. No, she screamed. Not that place! I won't let em do it! Come on, mister, said one of the men with the door. Get the lass off him. We ain't all day. Isaiah Hawksbill stared down at the girl, watched her thin arms embrace the muscular shoulders of the unconscious sixteen-year-old, saw her arched back rise and fall in sobs, her luxuriant black hair streaming over the still body, and he felt an old emotion, one he had thought long dead, stir in his heart. He heard himself say, I'll take care of the boy. Come with me. Samantha snapped her head up, her cheeks wet with tears. Then she slowly rose and, taking one of Freddy's limp hands in hers, walked alongside as the two men carried the door down the alley to Hawksbill's back door. Inside, they followed the old man through the gloom, their wide eyes turning this way and that, and brought the boy into the front parlour, where Hawksbill snapped a dusty sheet off the horsehair sofa. You can put him here. The men tipped Freddy off the door as if they were dumping coal and backed out of the parlour. Samantha straightened the lad on the cushions and set about attending him. Don't know if I can help, Liebchen, said the old man as he came down the stairs with blankets and sheets. Here, shred this in long strips, then fetch me some hot water. Hawksbill's hands were too arthritic and unsteady to wash the wound properly. When Samantha said, Here, let me do it, he handed her the cloth and watched as she knelt beside Freddy and tenderly cleansed the raw flesh. Horsebill brought in jars from the study, crushed leaves and steeped roots, which Samantha lovingly and delicately applied to the exposed bone and torn muscle. Standing over her and watching her long slender fingers handle the wounded tissue, Isaiah Hawksbill marvelled at her unflinching devotion. Most females will be hysterical by now or in a dead faint, but look how naturally she goes at it, as if it were nothing more than stirring a custard. Between the two of them, a thin eleven-year-old girl and an arthritic old man, they managed to set the bones, pulling the leg apart and easing it together between two stiff boards. Then Samantha, under Hawksbill's direction, drew the flesh together and pressed strips of plaster over the skin. When they were through, Hawksbill sank raggedly into a chair with a glass of brandy and Samantha pushed curls off her damp forehead. They noticed it was dark outside and in all that time, Freddy had not once regained consciousness. "'We've done all we can, Liebchen,' said Hawksbill wearily. "'It's up to God now.' She was drinking tea. "'He'll be all right now, won't he?' Hawksbill slowly swung his craggy head. "'I won't lie to you, child. He's in a bad way.' Not many people survive compound fractures. Why not? We've set the bones and closed the skin. Because the sepsis will set in, and all the world knows there's nothing can be done to fight the sepsis. What's sepsis? Poison, Liebchen. Infection. No one knows what causes it, and so no one knows how to fight it. Hawksbill paused. He had heard some talk lately of young Quaker out of Scotland 
Joseph Lister, who claimed to have found a remedy. The old man shook his head. He doubted it counted for much, coming out of Scotland and all. Samantha looked over at the still body on the sofa, the barely rising and falling chest, the chaos of chestnut curls on the pillow, and said softly, I shall take care of him. The days that followed were a nightmare. Freddy came down with a burning fever and he tossed and turned in violent delirium. Standing in the shadow of the doorway, Hawksbill watched as Samantha laid her cool fingers on the youth's burning forehead, murmured to him, and seemed by her mere presence to quieten him. He watched her handle the pus-filled dressings, insisting on changing them every day, even though Hawksbill saw no point to that. He watched her long, agile fingers daily inspect the wound, apply ointment and mould, palpate the leg for the placement of the bones. All done with such an expert touch that it almost seemed as if the eleven-year-old knew what she was doing. She stayed late these nights, not that her father noticed or cared. If Hawksbill had such a beautiful, intelligent daughter, he would want her around him all the time to spoil and cause it. Who knew what Samuel Hargrave's insane reasons were? Hawksbill liked having the girl with him, even if it was only because of that wretched boy in the parlour burning with infection, the legs swollen to nearly twice its size. The time would soon come, Hawksbill knew, when it would all be over. Samantha was preparing dripping sandwiches for their supper. In the past few months, the old man had opened his fist and allowed Samantha to bring in better food. Now they were regularly eating boiled cabbage and potatoes, fried bangers, baker's bread and jam, unwatered milk, gooseberry cheese and mince pie. He's been awfully quiet today, Mr Hawksbill. It frightens me. Hawksbill, spreading dried weeds on his workbench, separating comfrey leaves from their stems, murmured, Maybe it would have been best to send him to hospital. A surgeon's what he needed. No, she said softly but firmly. Hospital's a place of no hope. People only go there to die. He couldn't argue with that. St Bartholomew's Hospital, before admitting a patient, demanded a burial fee in advance that would be refunded if the patient should recover. Putting down his knife and tweezers, the old man faced her squarely and said, There's no hope here, either, child. The boy can't possibly survive. He hasn't eaten in over a week, and we've been barely able to get a bit of water down his throat. He hasn't once regained consciousness, not even for a second. Hawksbill slumped suddenly, pushing the bones of his old spine against the thin fabric of his frock coat. What was the use in trying to knock it into her head? She was so blamed stubborn, clinging to this ridiculous fantasy that... A crash tore the air. Samantha was on her feet and flying into the parlour. Hobbling as fast as he could after her, Hawksbill came to the open doorway and saw Samantha on her knees locked in a wrestling match with Freddy, whose glassy eyes were open and whose arms were flailing wildly. A bottle of water and a glass lay on the carpet in pieces. It's all right, Freddy, said the girl, her thin body so much smaller than his being thrown painfully about. I'm here, Freddy. You've got to be all right. Spellbound, the old man looked on as the girl managed to calm the delirious youth, 
push him back on the pillow and soothe him with a kiss on his forehead. When Freddy was quiet again, Samantha looked up at Hawksbill and whispered with glistening eyes, He's awake! Freddy's recovery was a rocky one, but he did eventually get better, sipping broth and undercooked eggs, lying quietly and meekly beneath Samantha's tender care. If Hawksbill marvelled at what she had done for the boy, the experience had no less of an impact on Samantha. Every night, lying in her bed, until the early morning hours, she went over it and over it. The miracle of restoring her dear friend to health. A steaming, smoggy summer settled over London, the air foul and yellow with the many curls of smoke that rose from the thousands of chimneys and from the funnels of the packets and penny steamers on the river. It was an unhealthy summer for London's crowded two million, a summer in which the unclean cans of the London milkwomen caused an outbreak of typhoid fever in Marleybone, killing thousands before the eyes of helpless doctors. But as the summer waxed into a smoky autumn, and as winter frost then gradually washed the sky in crisp blues, Freddy made rapid progress. By November he could bear weight on his leg and could limp up and down the parlour without aid. By this time he had fallen hopelessly in love with Samantha, and so, coincidentally, had Isaiah Hawksbill. <laughs>